0: to bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. What is going on, you fantastic, outstanding, remarkable human being? Thank you so much for your time and being here today. I love and appreciate you for coming. We have the tremendous Jake Eagle on the episode today, and it is titled, Are You Thrilled to Be Alive? How to Live in Heart Consciousness. Um, Jake Eagle is a really... Amazing human being he has over 25 years experience as a psychotherapist and he has studied everything in consciousness and psychology and worked with thousands of people and he's amazing he's kind of like a, a no baloney. Type of uh, happiness, heart consciousness guy. And ever since the podcast, um, you know, I've really asked myself that question Am I thrilled to be alive? And um, it's been an interesting experience. So, in this, I broke it up into to two parts. It's awesome. Um, so, the first one's going to have a little bit of how we can remove anxiety around feeling uncertain, uh, three reasons for anxiety. Um. What else we got? We got um, why we can choose our state of consciousness, the three states of consciousness, safety consciousness, heart consciousness, spacious consciousness, a helpful phrase when you're there is tension in a relationship, um, why you need to look for things that you are grateful for. Um, I get analyzed. I don't know what part of it is because I kind of tell him that I wasn't thrilled. I was a little bit stressed out with, uh you know, the amount of to do list and the podcast and Zen Athlete and everything. So um, he does his work on me a little bit. So this is an amazing episode you're going to love it. It's broken up into two parts. If you want to support the show and you like what you're hearing, please just do an act of kindness today. Do an actual action, take an action, do one act of kindness. The other thing you could do is you could share these episodes. You can leave a review. All of that is really helpful. And if you want to support in another way, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and just toss a buck in the bucket and just show your support that way. It really does go a long way. So I appreciate all of you sharing, supporting me on Patreon. I'm talking about the podcast, doing an act of kindness out in the world. If you do an act of kindness, um, just let me know and say, hey, I did it. You don't need to tell me what I, what you did. Just do an act of kindness. Don't tell anybody and even consider doing three acts of kindness. Hold the door open, um, tell somebody a compliment and pick up a piece of trash, let somebody in in traffic, whatever. So do all of those things pretty please. I want to thank my sponsor, David Lone Bear Cinepass, who is not really my sponsor. He is just somebody I'm promoting heavily because he is the man. Um, Check out LoneBearsArts.com and check out the vibrational jewelry, the necklaces. They're actually, they create a magnetic field. A lot of people say that they do that, but his is actually measurable. We're doing a video on that now. Um, Check out ZenAthlete.com. If you haven't read that book, read the book, gift it to a friend. It can be Zen life, Zen music, Zen business. It doesn't matter. Um, It is really the keys to identifying a goal, how to code your mind and body to um, create the belief systems necessary to achieve that goal quickly and easily, or, and how to enjoy the entire process. Um, so it's a, it's just a really great book. Um, you should definitely check it out, and uh, especially if you have kids, they should know this knowledge, and that's really what it's for. Um, if you guys are interested in coaching and you really want to level up, you want to get through some blocks, you want to get to that next level, you want to um, live with more peace and ease and dive deeper on these concepts and learn how to live a life of fulfillment, of purpose, um, I can help take you from zero to 100 for real. And I've done that for quite a few people, and it would be a privilege and honor to do it with you. Um, I also do 90-minute sessions that just blast through blocks, limiting beliefs, and I give you homework that could last months or a lifetime if you choose to do it. So if you want a one-on-one coaching either a 90 minute or something more in depth just go to mattbellair.com forward slash coaching make sure to check out the website to sign up for the email list and if you want the lucid dreaming just go forward slash lucid dreaming and that is it Um, also thank um, sync tuition their state-of-the-art 3d sound Neural Beat Brainwave Entrainment. And if you go to bit.ly forward slash gamma waves, you can get three free tracks. So I think that is it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are having a tremendous day. I'm sending you all of my love and my gratitude through the airwaves. And before we get into this episode, let's just take three deep breaths to come to a state of peace and coherence. So taking the first breath in through your nose with the intention to come to peace and presence. And just fulfillment and gratitude now. Thinking about one thing that you are grateful for. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking one more deep breath in through your nose. Really connecting to this universal life force energy. This intelligent infinity breathing into you. And just really magnifying the feeling of whatever you are thankful for. Just one thing you are really thankful for. Let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries. All the to-do lists. Take a one more deep breath in through your nose, hold that breath, and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries, and just really feel that feeling of gratitude pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being. All right, I think we are ready to get into part one with this amazing episode with the man, Jake Eagle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind, Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest has been a licensed psychotherapist in private practice for 25 years. He is also an award-winning author and retreat leader. In the nineties, he was one of the first people to introduce neurolinguistic programming to audiences in Japan. Early in his career, he focused on brief therapy, but over time, his emphasis shifted, and now he coaches people interested in resolving existential issues, finding meaning and purpose in their lives, and reducing anxiety associated with feeling alone and living with uncertainty. He is a game-changer and expert in consciousness reassignment, developing a healthy ego, relationships, and authenticity. He and his wife, Hannah, have created books, online courses, retreats, and programs Welcome to the show, jake Eagle
1: Good to be here i 've been looking forward to this,
0: yeah, me too. I got your bio sent over, and I looked at uh, a lifetime of work and I was like, "Yes, this is going to be great and uh, also early days of nlp which which is fascinating because I was looking at it and and it was still relatively new there, so I'm excited to get into this, and just for people who don't know who you are, do you want to give a little background on um, just who you are, and we'll dive into all the amazing stuff you're working on?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to listen to you read my bio, sort of uh, seeing it from a distance. But the, the, I think the short overview is that for the last 25 years, I've been a psychotherapist working out of uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's where my wife Hannah and I have lived for a long time. And then a year ago, we moved here. I'm in Hawaii now. And the, the the move has brought about some significant changes in my work. For those 25 years when I was doing therapy, my approach was a little bit unusual because I would do one or two sessions a day, but a session was three, three and a half hours. And I would work with people maybe once a month. And the idea was, this is the latter part of my professional life the, the, the idea was to do very deep work with people really substantial deep work not have people dependent on seeing me on a weekly basis and I thought the work was very profound um, I had a good reputation I had a lot of clients so I thought everything was was great and I was pleased with what I was doing and and I still feel pretty good about it but but then I went through this shift we moved to Hawaii and an unusual thing happens, I don't know if this has ever happened for you, but if you disorient yourself enough in your life, if you wake up in a place where you've never been before, you don't know anybody, you have no reputation, you, you, you don't know how to get anything done, you're just not connected. All of a sudden, there's an opportunity, a window where we can see ourselves and our lives really clearly. It's like a fresh take. And that's what happened when we came here. And so I I stopped and I realized that part of the reason we moved is because there was some, I wouldn't say dissatisfaction with where we were before, but there was some, um, something was missing, right? Life was great. We had a beautiful home. I got a gorgeous wife. We have a nice, I have a nice practice. She has a practice. She's a homeopath, but something was missing. So we moved here and... I realized that my instinct is to go do what I've always done before to make my life the way it used to be. Start advertising, go out, do free workshops, create a practice, do the kind of work that I've got a reputation doing. But I realized that I'd done that for many years and something was missing. So I decided I'm not going to do what I've always done before. Um, And what is it that I've always done before? Well, essentially what I've done is whatever it takes to make myself feel secure, safe. Um, I'm a big thinker. So I I, I kind of think my way through problems. So I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try and think my way through the situation. I'm just going to be here, going to open myself up and see what happens. And the result is that I've created a different model, a different way of working with people and It essentially I wouldn't say it's anti-therapy, but it's sort of meta-therapy. It's like if you've done a lot of work on yourself, you've been in therapy for a while, you've done some mindfulness training, various things, but you feel like something's missing in your life. I I think the problem is more therapy, more self-help stuff is like going faster and faster on the same hamster wheel. And so I wanted to get off that hamster wheel. And the way I talk about this now is that it requires a shift in consciousness. You, you, you're familiar with that. There's the famous Einstein quote that you won't solve a problem at the same level where, you created the problem. Yep. So yep. that, so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is create a new level at which to work with myself and with other people. And I've been working on this now for about nine months. And I have seen in myself, in a colleague that I've done it with and in, 30 people who have gone through a beta course that I'm teaching. I've seen the most profound results of anything I've done in the last 25 years. So that's, that's now sort of my passion. That's what I'm really focused on.
0: Holy smokes, man. Well, now I'm curious, <laughs> now I'm curious. as I, I, you know, I can give the general question on, you know, anxiety, depression, and even actually touch on suicide because that's coming up a lot. People don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah. I know, and I don't know, this is surprising for some people Just share it when I was in my teens and a couple times I considered it, you know, not to the point of like, I'm going to off myself and I'm ready to do it. Um, But I considered it, man. It was just like the the first time was just like, I'm a teen and I just am struggling through that. And I'm just like, why am I here? This sucks. I hate life. Right. And this is, and this is like, this is the maxed out, you know, anxiety, depression that exists. Um, And then, you know, one time was in my early twenties when I was learning about, the world and how it worked and all these systems and structures that are not designed for our greatest good, try to share them with people. They don't give a shit. Um, so then I'm just like really struggling there of just like this, this darkness. And then I, you know, that was a time I was like, well, maybe I should just exit this, this game because this is hard. Um, and I think that people have fragments of anxiety, depression, they're, they're lost and, and meaningless. So I don't know if you want to go, dive as deep as like tackling something like suicide or real severe depression or just somebody who's just generally anxious because I think that most people's baseline is at least like 20-30% anxious and uncertain and depressed and stressed. Like, a minute, like I think it's probably higher. So if you could give some feedback on, on that idea.
1: Yeah, let's do both. Let's start with the general and then let's do a deeper dive. Um and and I relate to what you're saying. I had the same uh or similar experience of suicidal thoughts in my early teens, at 13, 14, and then again in my early 20s. So, let's come back to that because it's an important topic. Um generalized anxiety And I don't know what the percentage is, but I would say it's a lot higher than most people realize because what we're doing is we're running around all the time trying to distract ourselves from this underlying anxiety, which I think is about three things. The first thing it's about is the fact that life is uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we try to act as if we do know. We try to create certainty in a world that's full of uncertainty. And I think part of the solution is being comfortable with uncertainty. How do you become comfortable with uncertainty? Part of it is learning to be present, learning to be in the moment, learning not to run ahead in our minds and trying to anticipate and prepare for everything that's going to happen, which is easier said than done. But we'll talk about some ideas how to do that. The second thing I think is people have a fear uh, of death, which we basically don't talk about in our culture. We just ignore it. We're, we're in denial for the most part. And I think until we develop some relationship with our mortality, some way of coming to terms with the fact that we're mortal, I think that anxiety continues. It doesn't really go away. So the question around, and these are the things that I mean when I talk about existential anxiety, um, the, the, the simple expression that I think is at the heart of the work I'm doing and the conversation we're having is that nothing that happens means anything other than the meaning we give it. And people will argue about this, uh, but I really do believe that nothing that happens means anything other than the meaning we give it. That can freak people out, or it can be incredibly liberating and empowering because it it means that we choose, we determine the meaning of things. And the more responsibility I take in my life to recognize that I can make meaning in different ways, the more comfortable I I become in my own skin. And so that's a lot of what the work that I'm doing is about. Um, so So I'm gonna segue, I'm gonna go sideways and explain the model, and then we can go forward again. So, i use some props um, i'm in hawaii there's some mosquitoes here when the wind doesn't blow so i have some mosquito repellent
0: wait i don't want to cut you off but did you say the third thing because i didn't know if i missed it i was taking notes so um
1: are so you going f-
0: into that yeah we're going to come there oh, okay Okay. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah but keep keep me uh keep me on track yeah so the general approach to psychology for a a long time, a hundred years, is that there are certain events that happen in life, certain stimulus, and then and then we respond and most therapy, most personal development work is focused on how we respond, teaching us to have better responses and that 's really valuable stuff to do, and it 's what i 've been doing for twenty five years helping people. Work with how do you make meaning of this event that occurs? How do you interpret it? That's cognitive therapy. And then what's your response? So maybe I can teach you to have better boundaries. That's a way of responding. Maybe I can teach you to have better communication skills. That's another way to respond. Maybe I can teach you how to individuate from your parents. That's going to mean you'll have a different response to whatever the stimulus is. Good stuff but here's the thing if we come before over here before the stimulus ever arises and we realize that there's a state of consciousness that i'm in before any event occurs and that largely predetermines how i respond so my state of consciousness as i go through my day largely determines how i respond to anything that happens and You know, you and I are doing the show, and we did like a 10, 15 second meditation before we went on air, and you said, Let's set our intention, right? To me, that was a way of adjusting our consciousness. And when I talk about consciousness, I'm talking about our state of mind, our state of being. We took 15 seconds, we kind of adjust our state of consciousness, we come into the show with an intention. That's going to influence the quality of our show, our relationship, the way we work together, our conversation. So my work now is about helping people understand that there are different levels of consciousness. We can choose which one we're in almost all the time. Short of a tiger jumping out of the woods and chasing me, then I have no choice. I, I just go into my primitive brain. But short of that kind of dramatic threat, I can choose what state of consciousness I'm in. And What I've done is I've created a very simple model to say that there's three states of consciousness. Is that true? No, it's made up, but it's very useful. It's very useful. So the first state of consciousness I refer to as safety consciousness. Safety consciousness is where I spend most of my time. It's about making myself safe, creating good boundaries, getting stuff done, being productive, taking care of business. It's where I live most of the time or I have for 60 years, and it's very valuable. It's also very tiring. It takes a lot of effort to live in safety consciousness. Second state of consciousness is what I call heart consciousness. Heart consciousness is very simply a state of profound appreciation and gratitude. It's experiencing love that isn't dependent on other, another person. It's not romantic love. It's just simply love. It's, I'm, I'm looking around at the trees and the sky and the grass that I'm surrounded by, the beauty that I'm surrounded by, and I just take myself into a state of deep appreciation. And as I do that, I shift my consciousness. I open myself up. In that state, I'm less reactive. Um, I actually have less internal dialogue. I slow down. You you may notice just in my speech pattern, as soon as I take myself there, I slow down. This is a different way of being in the world. And what I've come to learn in the last year is that I can live most of the time in a state of heart consciousness. And, And I believe that most people can. And by the way, this isn't new to people. Like we've all been here. We all experience it, right? It's just... I'm not sure that we wake up and think, oh, I can be in heart consciousness today. It's a choice, but I believe we can do that. The third uh, level or state of consciousness I call spaciousness, spacious consciousness. It's a state that comes about through a contemplative practice like meditation or mindfulness. It's a state of tremendous expansiveness, timelessness, um, wordlessness not talking that's why it's hard to describe but i'm i'm going to circle all the way back now but when i spend some time in spacious consciousness my anxiety around death decreases dramatically because i become comfortable with this remarkable expansiveness which in many ways is akin to how we think of death. It's just this vast unknown. So if I can become comfortable in this state, I kind of call it a state of suspension. And there's other pieces to spacious consciousness. I begin to relax around my own mortality. If I can go into heart consciousness, I begin to relax around many of the issues that I was anxious about when I was in safety consciousness, because when I'm in safety consciousness, I'm measuring, I'm comparing, I'm making judgments, and I'm not judgmental about that. That's fine. It's okay to do that. There are times we need to, but a great deal of the time, I don't need to be doing those things. All of those things create anxiety. As soon as I start thinking, hey, how am I doing in this interview? How's my performance? How am I, right? Right. I'll, I'll make myself anxious. Where if I'm just here with you and I keep my heart open and I'm in a state of gratitude for where I am, for the fact that I'm getting to know you a little bit, the, the fact that we're both doing cool work, I just relax. There, there is no need to make judgments or comparisons. And so to me, working with states of consciousness is a profound way to resolve significant issues that create anxiety. And I was going to say, I, I haven't really heard other people talk about it this way. I know there's a lot out there right now about mindfulness, but my concern about a lot of that work is that it isn't, isn't giving people something practical enough to work with constantly throughout the day. And so that's one of the things that I'm really interested in. So I want to stop talking, kind of check in, see where where this is at for you, and then we'll come back.
0: Yeah, you know, I would just I would just agree with what you're saying, and I think that it's very interesting. Um, You know, I kind of see sometimes like the survival state, right? And we're out there, and we're we're afraid, and so we're not really functioning at a higher state. We can't relax. You know, I see it all from the sports perspective, where it's very immediate, and you must be able to perform at the highest level. But day to day. You're not really like addressing how you're feeling, you know, because it's like, it's not an immediate thing where like in snowboarding, if you're going to try a double backflip and you're stressed out and you, you're all wonky, you could seriously hurt yourself. So you have this like immediate check, but because when we live our daily lives, we don't have this immediate check. We have this kind of slow compounding thing that we do to ourselves that we feel like is our normal operating system. Because we weren't taught how to kind of check in, you know, or you know, like like the one point that you made, um, just the ability to realize that you can choose your state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's insane that people don't believe that. And sometimes I forget and I'm in this mindfulness. I'm having wonderful conversations with you and I'll go through a whole day and I'll just stress. I'm like, oh, man, that was, you know, okay, cool. Tomorrow I've got to remember that I, I, can, I can actually choose that, you know. And so they're simple but they're really powerful and I would love for you to continue. Well, one of the
1: things you talk about with uh, intense sport activities, I, I find those to be fascinating because they require such presence. They, they, to some degree, the choice is taken out in that situation, don't you think? It's like you have to be there,
0: right? Yeah, it's it's in the, we have a, the the athlete that's doing something dangerous has a necessity to do this. And you can take that once you realize that, then you can take that out into your daily life into other things.
1: Yeah. And the question for some athletes that do intense sports is can they have that level of presence and awareness in the mundane, right? Like I used to know a guy who was a skydive instructor and he took me out the first time I ever jumped out of a plane and this guy, if he wasn't doing something intense, he was dysfunctional. It's like he needed something to really bring him present. But boy, when you got him in a plane or a situation that really required attention, he was fantastic. But he needed that.
0: Yeah. yeah and that's interesting in athletes because there's a big, there's a big thing with athletes as well where um, they, they become a professional athlete or Olympic athlete, and then they're like, what do I do now? I had this. that I was laser focused on I, I learned how to you know maximize my potential and what I'm capable of but now I don't have any kind of meaning or purpose who am I because they've attached their purpose to that that goal that they've acquired and it could have been achieving a gold medal or an NBA championship or a double backflip on your snowboard and so it's funny because I see this balance and that's kind of like my theme with Zen Athlete is being whole happy harmonious full of self love and miss the game winning shot get it or what because that doesn't define you it's just an expression of you and so you can teeter back and forth and it really is about that balance and understanding the tools and techniques what you're capable of and where you want to use them but ultimately guiding your life and your state of consciousness through this experience Um, and you touched on something really wonderful right away um, just about the feeling of uncertainty you know we live in uncertainty and we can give ourselves a worthy mission or idea, something that we would like to work towards that gives us meaning, right? And then we attach that meaning and that's our choice. And so it's this balance of these elements. If we can somehow weave them together because it's not all one or all the other, it's um, kind of exploring our states of consciousness, what we're attaching meaning to and taking that inventory within ourselves and then having tools to move forward. Um, Right. So yeah, and, please please go. And it's,
1: it's also, you, you brought up a valuable point. It's also not about being in one state of consciousness all the time. To me, the key is fluidity. It's the ability to move in and out of states of consciousness. There are times where I want to be in safety consciousness. It's really appropriate. Then there are times where I absolutely don't want to be. And um, the other thing that you, you just said reminded me this idea about... Um, Making a choice and setting an intention. I mean, my wife and I have this great, very simple technique we use, which is anytime there's tension in our relating, hopefully one of us will very quickly recognize it and say, What do you want to have happen in the next five minutes? And and the point is, it's bringing intention to the next five minutes. If you don't do that, there's all this uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen. We might have a fight, it could get ugly. I I don't know what, but we treat our relationship as if it's very precious. And so we bring this intention all the time. And if the anxiety level or uncertainty or conflict starts to rise, then that's when we say, what do you want to have happen? Do you want to connect? Do you want to fight? Um, Do you want space? Do you want to take a break? And nine times out of 10, we say, I want to connect and fascinating to me is it's about that simple. It's about that simple to remember that that's what we want and we move toward one another instead of away from one another. So uncertainty is something that is, um, it can cause anxiety, but as I said earlier, it's also an opportunity for us to shape our reality. We can shape the next five minutes, you and I. How do we want it to go? What do you need? Tell me what you need. Maybe I can give it to you, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And and it really is, I think, that, that simple. It's these uh, continuous applications of a simple process. Um, and so, what I'm curious about is if you wanted to dive deeper into some of the course that you've made, because doing psychotherapy for 25 years gives you just an extraordinary amount of experience, plus you're uh, pursuing NLP and teaching NLP. And for me, listening to Um, you speak already I know you're at this level of mastery when I was studying it on my own I had a bone to pick with therapists because I never understood how somebody would come to you for years and years and years and you're not getting to the bottom of the problem I was like then you suck at your profession because that person can't be that broken we need to figure out ways to support each other you know and so your idea and thinking about it is just you know is such a beautiful concept. It's very well-rounded and you have immense experience. So I'm very curious about this new process that you've developed to go even deeper because, you know, I've, I've done a lot of studying and seen mindfulness and all these different things, but your level of mastery far exceeds mine. Well,
1: the, the point you make about people being in therapy for a long time suggests a lack of competence on the part of the therapist. That's how I heard it is something I would agree with. And it isn't that the therapist isn't good at what they do. It's not that they're not skilled. It's that they're working. They stay at the level of safety consciousness. And the primary focus with safety consciousness is to solve a problem. That's what it is. So this is what happened to me nine months ago. I wake up. I'm I'm in Hawaii. I'm feeling pretty insecure because I don't know anybody. I have no reputation. Things are kind of difficult. I wake up in the morning. It's this gorgeous day. Hannah's getting dressed. I look at her. She's beautiful look outside, going, am I thrilled to be alive? And I thought, no, I'm not, what the hell's wrong? What, what am I doing? I'm, I'm waking up every day trying to solve a problem that I don't actually have. My problem is that I think I have to solve a problem. My problem is that I'm not appreciating what I have. My problem is that I'm not celebrating life. And I started asking this question every day, am I thrilled to be alive? And three, four or five days into it, I started going, hey, I am thrilled to be alive. I am really turned on. And then I was talking to a colleague who also has a great life. And I said to him, are you thrilled to be alive? And he said, I don't know. I never thought about it. He said, I'm, I'm appreciative or I'm content, I guess. So he and I entered into this 21-day program because there's a myth that in 21 days you can change a habit. It's actually not true. You can change a habit really quickly. It doesn't take 21 days. Um, a, a funny side story. I had a client once who came to me because he wanted to quit smoking. He wanted me to do an NLP cure. And I said, well, I can do that. And he was a really wealthy guy. I said, I can do that or we can make a bet. And he said, what's the bet? And I said, the bet is that you're going to smoke, or you're going to have to give $10,000 to my favorite charity. I said, you, you, you up for that? And he was the kind of guy who's like, really a risk taker. So he said, he said, wait a minute, you're saying if I smoke, I have to pay $10,000 to your favorite charity? And I said, yeah. I said, you can't give it to me. That would be unethical, right? So he said, okay, I'm up for it. And uh, three days later, he uh, wrote a check to the charity. So I said, you want to do it again? There is some amount of money that will get your attention and you won't smoke, but I don't know what that amount of money is. You, you want to do it again? I said, let's do it again. Let's do $25,000. And so he hesitated. He took, kind of caught his breath and I thought, okay, that, this is going to work. This is going to work. He's not going to smoke. And he never smoked again. And it was that instant recognition about what was really important to him. Right? What were his values? So I believe that we can change our habits incredibly quickly. That was a tangent. Um, What I started to tell you about was the fact that I I I did this 21 day program with a colleague of mine. His name's Mike. And for 21 days we would write each other an email, basically saying either we were thrilled to be alive and why, or what was getting in our way. And it was really profound. I mean, at the end of the 21 days, he had radically changed his relationship with his wife. He had probably the best three weeks of his life is how he described it. Um, I was also really doing well, but he kind of took off. He, he was like a jet. And that's, by the way, that's how I developed this course, this beta course I'm teaching. Is 21 days. I haven't been charging for it. I just get 10 people. We get together once a week on a Zoom conference call. And they buddy up and they work with their buddy for 21 days. And once a week we get together and I do some coaching. But it's all about answering this question, are you thrilled to be alive? And when I first started the course, I had all these screening mechanisms, like if you have serious major depression, if you're in serious ongoing pain, if you're dealing with a life-threatening illness, then I don't recommend you do the course because I didn't want anybody to have a really good excuse why they weren't thrilled to be alive. But since I've been doing it, my, the criteria to join have gone down. Now people who have terminal illnesses are joining the class because the point is you still can be thrilled today with the life you have. And 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 I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that people don't have problems. I don't want to come across as being cavalier. People do have problems. But what I determined when I did this with Mike is that we have problems, but that doesn't mean that we need to suffer. And that, to me, is a huge distinction. I do have some problems. I do have some challenges in my life. But I don't have to suffer. And so this is... From my point of view, it's a radically different way to approach doing therapy with people. Now, I'm still working with people, and my approach has changed so that when people come in, essentially what I'm doing is I'm asking them if they want to pay attention to the big picture of their life, get in touch with the beauty, the wonder, the love, or if they want to spend the next hour focused on the problem. And it's interesting how many people will say, I want to focus on the problem. And then I go, I'm not really the therapist for you. That, that's not really what I want to do. And not only that, but I don't want to even validate that it's a problem. I don't want to validate that it's a cause for suffering. And that's what a lot of therapy is. It's validating people's pain.
0: Okay, so I'm cu- I'm curious. All right, so let's say, well, some people, like you said, they have problems, right? And am I thrilled to be alive? You know, which is interesting timing on the podcast. I find sometimes it's a reflection of what I'm going through. And I was at Shokai training with uh, David Lone Bear. So Shokai is the ancient karate martial arts type of thing, and it's, it's very interesting. Um, just a whole process around it and things like that. And I show up, and I'm like, you know. I'm not happy right now. I don't know why. Well, I kind of know why. Um, But it's like this idea in my, and I've had to kind of process this in my own life. You know, I was like, okay, I've got the podcast thing. I've got this an athlete thing I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to earn a living. I'm trying to travel around. I'm trying to learn from David. I'm just like overwhelmed, you know, and I'm, and I'm losing zest and I have so much. I have so much. So I'm just like, what the heck? Um, so this is good timing. So how do we get to the point where we are thrilled to be alive? And if we have a real problem or like, you know, you're stressed about a job. I usually, if I'm coaching people, I'll say, you know, the 99% of the time, it's not a problem. It's your perception of the problem. You know what I mean? But there's, I think there's a movie quote. It's not your problem. It's your thinking of the problem or whatever, because it's it just is, and they'll find a solution and you can frame it differently to give you so much more peace and ease. And I believe that's what you're speaking of. So maybe you can dive deeper into some of the process. How do we get to being thrilled to be alive? And if we want to walk somebody out from really deep anxiety, depression, even to the point of suicide, if we want to go that route or any way, I'll just kind of feed that back.
1: Okay. So um, two things. One is sometimes people have a problem and we need to dig in and come up with a solution. So what is it that's going on in your life that keeps you from experiencing zest? I mean, what's, what's in the way?
0: Uh, Just overworking myself, I think.
1: And overworking yourself by choice or you need, I mean.
0: Yeah. Just, you know, doing more content. There's, you know, as the podcast grows, it's, it's all me. And so as I do one thing, there's what I call secondary tasks. It's like this, explosion of secondary tasks that I need to do so in my mind I see all of this stuff that I can do and want to do and I'm excited to do and I'm kind of bogged down you know and the more I do the more work I create for myself but it also these these beautiful things that I'd also like to create I don't have time for them and so you know I caught myself maybe a few months ago when this started happening was just like just be happy I was like oh my god I didn't do anything today and I recorded two new podcasts I edited a podcast I did a coaching call um, and I felt like I did nothing because in my mind I had the idea of the other thing I wanted to do
1: this is great right I love it I mean here's a guy who as capable and bright and as fully as you live your life you'll you'll victimize yourself right You'll, you'll set it up where you become a victim of your own creation, your own circumstances. And then and then and then you tire yourself and the, the zest drains away. So the first thing is to see that you're doing it to yourself. It's a, it's a really I think it's a really common dynamic for highly competent overachievers. I mean, I relate to it. I can tell you the five books that I want to write and how I could frustrate myself because I'm working on one and I want to be doing four others, and I distract myself with that. But that's not being present. It's not really being in the moment, and it's really a waste. And what I I would suggest is that if you accessed heart consciousness and you thought about the same issue, it would look completely different to you. And so if you go into a state of appreciating your life, which is pretty cool, I think, and appreciating the options that you have, and one of the things you have that a lot of people don't have is this sort of remarkable degree of health and athleticism, which is really easy to appreciate, I think, right? Yeah. So you go into that, you have some, anybody in your life love you? Yeah. Yeah. You love anybody?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
1: is uh, can you see the beauty around? Yeah. Yeah. And and can you feel the energy in your spine? Are you able to connect with the energy rising in your spine, rising from your sacrum coming up into your heart center? Can you can you do that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people need to practice, but my sense of you is you've done a lot of work and you probably have that ability to work with your energy. So you bring the energy into your heart center. Feel that difference, feel that shift, and and think about what you are describing to me as a problem or a lack of zest, and what are you aware of?
0: Wow, just peace and ease. Yeah, it's it's interesting because sometimes it's funny when you'll tell somebody to do something, and then... uh, you know, what a, one of the tricks that I'll do is either, yeah, place the consciousness in their heart with the issue. Um, there's even a, a heart experience I bring th- people to where I hypnotize them into their heart. And then we, we, we look at the problem from that space with the heart's intelligence, we, we get the brain to take a break. Um, and then the nice reminder, and the reason why I bring myself up for an example is because you can see that it's a process. You know, that you can perceive someone outside of you, because I've heard this on my podcast before and some of the stuff people write me, it's just like, Oh, you must be this and that. I was like part of the reason why I've been studying this thing for my whole life is because I'm all messed up. <laughs> I'm just like I'm, I'm trying to unfilter my own brain and get to this space of peace, consciousness, enlightenment, or whatever. Um, and it's a daily process. And to just understand that and to be kind on your, with yourself and the journey. And, and it's that reminder of going into the heart. And it's, it's simple. You know, another one that I'll use, it would be like uh, taking in three deep breaths, but I'll make them hold their breath. And then in that process, I was like, how is, what did you think about the problem? But they're just focused on their breath. So right, I appreciate right. the simplicity of that.
1: And I caution you. I mean, I, I understand why you say things like, you know, I've been doing this my whole life. Why? It's not that I'm exceptional. It's that I'm all messed up and I've been trying to find answers. I, I, I appreciate that in that people will relate to it. But I also caution you about referring to yourself as all messed up. Because that to me is like a safety consciousness description. I, I get it. Um, but I, th- this is an example of how I'm working with people now. I, I won't validate it. I won't let you say it and go along with it. Because I feel that if I do that, it's not respectful to who you are or how I hold you. Hmm. I mean, I don't see you as messed up. I understand you may have certain insecurities. I have them too, or I have my own. Um, but I don't want to support people talking about themselves as all messed up. Um, People come to me and they'll say, oh, so-and-so did such and such. They humiliated me. And I'll say, I don't think so. I I don't think so. I, I don't think anybody can humiliate you. You can humiliate yourself, but I don't think another person can humiliate you. And so I'm just being super intentional about not validating the ways that people live unconsciously in safety consciousness. And it's a great practice, by the way. It's a a super mindfulness practice for me, right? So I think you would enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciate you you sharing that. You remind me of my first mentor, Michael Lozier, who uh, wrote the book The Law of Attraction. And you, he, you're just not getting anything past him, and this is something that you know doing the doing the work of voice outside of myself, and so also to be mindful of the voices inside, and if they're saying the same thing, and if they are, to you know, to nip them in the butt and allow those. Um, To to not exist and, and bring the truth of the matter together where even if you're saying it in jest or whatever, it's not a true thing, you know, or to relate or for whatever reason you're giving yourself to say that so it's, it's appreciated.
1: And, and, and even these ideas, you know, we have this model, like you just said, the voices in our head, we have this idea, and there's a whole thing in NLP about parts, that we have different parts and different voices, and these are tools that have been very effective in working with people, but I'm questioning all of these. Uh, people are coming in, I'm, work, I'm supervising therapists who will come in and they'll say, well, I have this part that sabotages me, and I'll go, I, I don't know, I believe in the parts model anymore. Really go to the core and tell me what's going on. And see if you can connect with how fortunate you are to be alive. I don't care what's going on. I mean, I'm working with a woman who's dealing with a terminal illness right now, and she's remarkably capable of accessing the awe of being alive, regardless of what's going on. Now, the only exception to that that I found is when people are in pretty bad pain it seems that's probably the greatest challenge I've encountered. When people have a lot of pain or they're medicated, it seems really hard harder, much harder for them to work with their consciousness. But short of that, um, i'm I'm kind of not cutting people slack.
0: yeah uh. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I like it for for me and in the way that I do it or or I process it is it's a reminder. So if I if I do that, it's easy, you know. And then I'm then I'm back in. Just sometimes, um, as of recent, I had to recheck myself because I had forgotten to do the simple things and come back to the joy. And that's really how simple it is.
1: Yeah, there's another thing for you that strikes me, which is for you to be doing the work you're doing and not be connected with the zest it means that the work is gonna be slightly incongruent. And so it's like you're not bringing your best to the table. And I think I'm gonna make an assumption about you that you have a commitment to do that and you believe in doing that. So if you're not able to do that, then I think you have a responsibility to step back and say, What am I doing? You know, what, what, how am I holding myself back? And this to me is a very interesting point because we just come to a fork in the road. How am I holding myself back? And we could go down the fork of safety consciousness and say, what is the problem? What is my limitation? What is the belief that's holding me back? We may need to do that. Or we could say, Am I paying attention to how extraordinary my life is? Do I need to remind myself? Do I need somebody to remind me? And by the way, that was the point of the buddy system in the, in the course that I developed. The buddy is there not to validate you, not to witness you. The buddy has only one job, which is to remind you that you're incredibly fortunate. And in the beginning of the course, you fill out a form and it basically, you, you kind of go down through this checklist and you just check off all the things that are positive in your life or many of them that are positive in your life. That's all your buddy knows about you. Like that's all they know. They don't know what you do. They don't know who you are. They just know that you have people you love. You have people who love you. You're fundamentally healthy. Um, you have enough money that you, you're okay. You can eat today, whatever. That's all they know. And that's their job, is to remind you. It's like, keep this in perspective. It's an interesting way to work.
0: Yeah, man, I I totally agree. And and for me, personally, it's easy when I remember. Sometimes not so much. So I do have a spectacular life. I am really fortunate. I have, and I, I really like the way that you're framing it, because I agree with it. Now, what, what in the process, let's just say, um, I guess it would work the same. Just people either like like when we touched on severely depressed, anxious, or uh, they have a lot of stuff going in their life. and, And maybe it's really hard. Do you apply the exact same process to it?
1: Um, fundamentally, I do with one difference, which is I think that depression, other than um, severe depression, which, you know, could require medication, but short of that, the, the vast majority of depression is the result of a lack of hope. It's it's about not having a clear sense of a compelling future. And so if somebody doesn't have a clear sense of a compelling future, to me, That's something that we can really help them develop. And that can be done as a combination of safety consciousness, like really pragmatic. What do you need to do? You know, to to accomplish what you want to accomplish? Do you need to go to school? Do you need to learn new skills? We can figure that out, map it out. That's safety consciousness. Then at the same time, I want to bring heart consciousness in and say, realize your ability to think this through, recognize the choices you have, understand that this is pretty much up to you. I mean, there may be some obstacles, but it's pretty much up to you. So I'm working in tandem when people are dealing with depression or despair, safety, heart, safety, heart. What I don't want to do is I don't want to get caught up just going into safety because I believe it exacerbates the depression. It's hard. It's difficult. I have people come in all the time and they're saying things like, um, you know, well, I mean the example, you know, it's hard to change a habit. It's like, well, maybe, maybe not. Um, I have couples all the time who say, you know, this is how we've treated each other forever. And it takes a lot of work to change behaviors and we're going to just chip away at it. And when I hear people say like that, I, I tell them, it ain't going to happen. You're not going to bring about this change by chipping away at it. You bring about this change if you leave here today and you stop doing what you've always been doing. And I don't, I don't mean to sound Pollyannish. I don't mean to sound naive. I just have very high expectations of what we're capable of doing. And the people who buy into that, the people who try it, they wake up. It's like, well, maybe this doesn't have to be that hard. So um, that's a little bit about depression. Um, And it also also depends a little bit on the age. So you and I talked before about teenage depression. And I think teenage depression is unique because I think there's a big hormonal piece going on. And so um, with teenage depression, I think that it's not just a matter of talking through it. I think um, we have to help teenagers have really uh, a few things. They have to have great role models. And because role models will give them, a, give them hope and give them a picture of what's possible. And I also think we have to help them... Um, find ways to soothe themselves, which most teenagers don't know how to do. They don't have healthy ways to soothe themselves. The single best way generally has to do with exercise. Not for everybody, but um, if I were to generalize, I would say it has to do with exercise. The other thing which is really kind of cool when you think about this, Matt, is that if we were teaching the stuff you and I are talking about today, if we were teaching this to kids when they were 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you wouldn't see nearly the level of um, teenage depression and suicide that we see. It comes from powerlessness. And it, it also comes from a very challenging time where we're trying to individuate from our parents. So I, I've got to go out in the world and figure out who I am, but nobody told me how to do that. There's no guidelines.
0: Nope, I was taking notes. I wasn't sure if we were going to continue yeah i i I definitely agree. I think that these fundamentals of understanding our consciousness are super important to be given to the youth and you know the Zen athlete thing, the book the reason why I did that was because to to disguise it in sport these principles so they don't even know that they're learning them um you know if we can get them in through sport through youth through the coaches, then they have them their whole life. Yep. And, and they're simple you know all these things that the thing is it's it's not complicated It's simple like when you talk about somebody quitting smoking or making a change or having a relationship or even you know with what we did together it's just like drop the story you know and, and even that thing or whatever the, whatever the thing is that you're putting into the pot and identifying with and, and believing it's around a belief that you can stop instantly and then you just have you know you in this to, circumstance being on the other side but the reality and the truth is is it can be dropped and that's a a new belief that we can we can take and we can take a new action right now like if you're struggling with quitting smoking don't put the cigarette in your mouth but why is it so hard to do that it's a whole storyboard around that um, I was just curious if if you wanted. I don't know if if you can dive deeper into like some of that process that you're you're working with people because a lot of people. Well, we you can go. I'll just throw some things at you, and you can kind of yeah. choose what you want. A lot of what's out there, we're talking about awakening, talking about enlightenment, we're talking about spiritual practices, we're talking about multidimensional experiences, and and being fulfilled, and you know, and having this awakening consciousness of the new age, right? And I think that um, those those are all real to a degree, and some of it it can get a little bit uh, skewed and even more disconnected from yourself, I think. Um, And then this is just a a question that I want to ask at the beginning, but uh, you have a big uh, background in relationships and then it's a bit separate, but if you wanted to guide people out there who are in relationships in marriages or whatever, some key fundamentals to great communication, whether it's relationship or in business, I feel like you'd have a lot to offer.
1: Well that's a that's a really hot topic so let's go there for a little while I think the the key to me
0: All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Jake is really amazing. There's more epicness coming up in part two, so you're going to want to check that out. Um, if you like the podcast, please take an action to support. So the best action you could take is one act of kindness for another human being out there. That's really showing you're getting the message of the podcast. If you want to support this podcast, the work and the message, you can leave a review in iTunes. You can share it with your friends. And if you were to go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and just toss a buck in the bucket that really does help go a long way help me to do my thing to improve the quality to allow me to travel to be around these different people doing these different things and support my work because that's the way things are going so um, it, the little bit that I'm getting now from the patrons I'm so grateful for you because this is a full-time job to produce the podcast to go to the spaces that I need to learn to support David Lone Bear fully so um, rather than supporting me, crap, support him. Go to Um, check out his vibrational jewelry. He is truly an outstanding human. You can also check out facebook.com forward slash ancient echoes, our distant ancient echoes actually. And uh, he's releasing a little bit more of his technology, a little bit more of his teaching slowly. So I'm here fully to support this man. If you haven't read Zen Athlete yet, check it out. It could be Zen Life. It doesn't matter. It really is the tools to self-mastery, to getting what you want. And if you want some one-on-one help to overcome blocks, to design the reality that you want to live a little bit more fulfilled, more peaceful, more coherent, more in flow state, to dive deeper into consciousness, or even just to get out of a rut you know i can i have the tools to take you zero to a hundred from not knowing what the heck you want to exactly know what you want and, and a very clear direct path to get there so if you're looking for that type of support we can do a 90 minute session or we can do something that's more in depth so just make an inquiry at matt at and also those of you guys who want speaking hit me up and myself david we can come as a pair and just have an amazing time so if you have groups of people you know some conferences you you want us to come uh, myself and david lone Bear are both willing to come and he is truly spectacular so please hit us up let us know about the opportunities we need to hear from you and we want to hear from you so that's it um, before we close it out let's just come to a state of peace and coherence so take in a deep breath in through your nose setting the intention to come to peace and coherence now hold that breath And just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Take in one more deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, relaxing even more deeply now. And just thinking about one thing that you're really grateful for. Take in one more deep breath in through your nose. Really focusing on that one thing that you're thankful for. It could be a friend, a family member, a job, a pet, a loved one. Just really feel that feeling of gratitude and thankfulness just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day all right well thank you so much for coming on another episode i appreciate you i'm sending you a huge hug all of my love my energy my support my appreciation my gratitude for you just remember that you are epic you are whole you are harmonious you are multidimensional. you are eternal you are infinite you are the mother effing shit So thanks for coming, and I hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you in the next episode.